The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What up? It's Riled Up. On a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, I, of course, am Roy White, alongside my esteemed co-host, Tom Ryle, with another episode of Riled Up on the Cowboys. Again, bringing you that content on the blog, uh, the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. We got you covered all week long, and we highly encourage you to check out all the fine programming here on the Blogging the Boys Network, of course, powered by SB Nation. We got our boys, the Jersey Boys, on Monday with Dave Stuccio, uh, Sturcio, Sturcio, rather, excuse me, and uh, Brett Erst and Keith Erst. Very funny guys and a great podcast to listen to on Tuesdays. Check out the 750 with Tony Casillas and our boy RJ Ochoa holding it down. Of course, Wednesdays, talking the draft. Connor Livesay, Cole Patterson. And our good buddy Dalton Miller, hold, Dalton Miller holding it down there on Wednesdays, talking the draft, getting you covered with all that draft coverage. And then, of course, the show after us, right, Fridays, Girls Talking Boys, with the very funny Kelsey Charles and Meg Murray holding that down. And don't forget about the best Spanish-speaking podcast on America's team in the country. It's Cowboys Oi with Mauricio Rodriguez, the entire Blogging the Boys Network podcasting group is gotcha covered and we're doing it for you pretty much every day of the week so with that being said make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button to get all the latest information from blogging the boys and check out that fine network on bloggingtheboys.com but let's get right to it tom because of course uh every show it seems like at this point must start with the latest dak prescott news and uh, while this is not one that i think anybody should be sinking their teeth into uh, I, I suppose this is news enough because we're at that point where really anything about negotiations becomes news. And Tom, what, what passed as a headline this week is that apparently talks between the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's representation has been better than it's ever been. Now, what do we take of a statement like that when, quite frankly, I have never known talks between the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's representation to be any kind of positive. So to say that they are better than zero doesn't exactly instill a lot of confidence in me. How are you feeling about it? 
Well, I, yeah, I, you don't want to go out and uh, start buying the confetti and the balloons for the party or anything, but it's notable that this is kind of the first positive sounding stuff we it seems like we've heard in three years it it sounds like they're not just a complete loggerheads that there's some hope for some ground uh, that they can agree on um and i hate to say it because it's a it's a word that i i don't like to use a whole lot anyway because i think it's kind of one of those things that doesn't really exist but you feel almost there's like there's a little teeny bit of momentum here that maybe things are heading in a good direction now like i said that's no guarantee that they're going to get anything done that they're not going to wind up going through another franchise tag or, or even worse just complete completely screwing the pooch on this but it just sounds better than anything i've heard since this whole thing started and they kept dropping opportunity after opportunity to me i think the best sounding thing of the weekend and it's not really this one is not necessarily news to me but i think i guess it may be news to some of his colleagues over at the nfl network because they keep writing articles about ranking the best free agents available (laughs) and pretending as if dak prescott's going to be a part of that group but Ian Rappaport said this week that there was absolutely no chance that Dak Prescott would be available as a free agent. So at least we can take it off the table that the Cowboys are going to entirely screw the pooch, in my opinion, and I agree with Rapp on this one. I know he does not write about everything, but I agree with him on this one. They will not screw the pooch entirely to where they will not have Dak Prescott as their starting quarterback in 2021. The question, though, is where is this positivity coming from? Is it coming from Dak and his agent, Todd France, and their camp? Or is the optimism coming, as it so often does, from the place that, you know, quite frankly, blows sunshine and rainbows up the entire Cowboys nation's ass on a regular basis? And that would be the front office. Yeah. I, well, it sounds to me, and, you know, once again, this is just – yeah, sometimes you just kind of get a sense maybe of what things are happening, which can be entirely wrong. But this seems like it may be kind of coming from both directions, that nobody is out there just throwing cold water on the idea that a deal is going to get done. And I think a lot of that is just because there's a lot of cold, hard reality about this for the Cowboys. I do not see how they can really expect to put together any kind of an offseason, have anything in free agency if they don't get Dak to uh, sign to a long-term deal, preferably before the start of the new league year on the 15th, which I believe is, is when you have to be under the uh, salary cap for the top 51 players, mm-hmm. which uh, – you know, is uh, a little quirk in the uh, the CBA that they they only have to get those top 51, so they got a little flexibility to play with around there. Although, what difference the last couple of people making the league minimum is, I don't really know. It's like players that are making $780,000 a year, which is, in NFL terms, chump change. But mm-hmm. still, if they go in 
and don't have him on a long-term deal, they have to account for $37 million of cap space. He counts as that $37.7 million on March the 15th unless a long-term deal is done, if he's under the franchise tag. Um, and I think that includes if they just put the tag on the table. Even if Dak hasn't signed it, they have to account for it under the salary cap. Uh, that's just to keep people from manipulating the, the system too much. So they really need to have a long-term deal so they can, they can lock 10, 15 million off of that because it's very easy to structure a contract that's going to get in somewhere in the 20 to 25 million range as a cap hit this year by, you know, big signing bonus, pushing some of it to the out years. And it looks like the salary cap is about to take a big jump as these uh, new deals are lining up. And we're hearing that, uh, I say we, there's, there's reports out there that they are very soon going to have the new deals in place now that they've come to some kind of an agreement with uh, ABC and Disney uh, over the uh, – the ESPN Monday night rights. rights. Yeah. Monday night football and getting them into the Super Bowl. They're now going to be in the Super Bowl rotation, which was the big carrot that the NFL was dangling to get that done. Since they seem to have reached an agreement since the, uh, you know, the made the other networks, the, the major networks all seem to be pretty much ready to pony up and pay a lot more money. And since they may be able to get some extra bucks out of Amazon Prime or some of the other streaming services, well, yeah, then all of a sudden the salary cap going up in 23 and 24 can eat up a lot of stuff. And you just have to hope that at some point the Stephen and Jerry Jones and I always put Steven first on this because I really think he's the one that drives this stuff and that has some kind of really weird ideas about the cap and all that, uh, or let's just say antiquated ideas. Uh, they're going to look and say, well, you know, if we'd have done this in 2017 and if we'd done it in 2018 and if we'd done it in 2019, and if we done it in 2020, you know, they got to, you know, uh, I guess, you know, it couldn't go back too far, but, you know, Dak was first eligible in his third year. They had chances to take a bite at the apple. They couldn't get it done. And all they're seeing is the per year price tag skyrocketing. And there's got to come a point when it finally sinks through their stubborn, we know better than everybody else head that, Every time they wait, it just winds up costing them more money down the road. And now that the franchise tag jumps up, uh, you know, last year it was, okay, that wasn't such a big deal because they got him for probably less than it would have cost them on, a on an annual basis. Now it may still cost them more on a per year basis, but that's gone up a lot. And the next year is really hard to figure out how they could swing a third franchise tag. And I just think they have to really be hesitant about doing that if they're making any sense at all. The only concern I have is how much of this is just stubborn pride and ego and that kind of 
since you get that the Joneses believe that they're the smartest guys in the room all the time and have just too much faith in that. And, you know, I just don't understand when I look at all the arguments and the reasons they didn't get a deal done. It just, to me, it's like, it makes no sense. Not to me. You know, they're the billionaires. They're the ones that are paying the money. Uh, they're the ones that are playing the salary cap game because the salary cap really is just an artificial device, but I don't follow it. I just don't follow it anymore. It's time to get a deal done. And yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money and, but it will be so good to finally get done talking about when are the Cowboys going to, going to get a deal done with Dak and, switch around to arguing about whether or not dad got paid too much. Well, and let's just fast forward two or three years, sign him to a, a deal, a, according to reports between Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, you have $4 million, $5 million to potentially work with there between $39 million a year in Deshaun Watson's number and Patrick Mahomes is 45. Now, if you settle in at 40 or 41 million a year, well, let's fast forward in two years. Lamar Jackson needs a new contract. Kyler Murray and his rookie year deal ends, right? Older quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers will have his contract expire. Russell Wilson at that point will likely be eligible for a new deal. Now, whether or not you think these players are better or worse than Dak Prescott is irrelevant because they are going to get paid like him or more than him based on the fact that they are next up. And that is how the nature of the beast in regards to quarterbacks goes in the NFL. And yeah. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Go ahead. You have to just keep going back to before Dak got injured. He was set putting up some fantastic numbers. The Cowboys weren't losing games because Dak Prescott wasn't performing. The Cowboys were losing game because their defense wasn't stopping anything, which kind of continued, but then the quarterback play kind of went way downhill. So they just really, you know, we saw the whole thing swirl around the toilet bowl and disappear down into the sewers. But Prescott is, he's the engine that drives that offense. And I have to think that Kellen Moore wants to go in and just scream at the Joneses about get this done so we can just move on and I can get my quarterback in here and we can go out and figure out how to win as many games as we can. But. Well, thankfully, at least reports are Dak Prescott is in the building working out with the Cowboys, yeah. that he may even be back to 100% by April, right, one month from now. And if that is the case, Cowboys fans should be very happy with his progress. And then they can just cross their fingers and hope that the Jones boys do what's right, swallow their pride, and take their medicine. Because and at this point, 
that's the only thing I think that will get them out of this predicament. Yeah. And I have to, I have to think that if there was any problem with that recovery, we wouldn't be getting these kind of bubbly, happy reports about how the talk is progressing because I feel certain if there was any doubt about his uh, ankle that the, uh, the Cowboys would, would be kind of dropping hints about problems and concerns and yeah. stuff like that. Now that could be a completely wrong because the one thing that I think you and I agree on is that if it's coming out of the front office, it needs to be severely dissected and examined and, you know, considered like the words out of a politician's mouth. So, you know, it's just not, it, it, it's hard to work off of this and I hate rumor season. And that's really all we're into right now is rumor season. And it's, mm -hmm. I just want to get this done and get over it and start talking more about hard stuff, you know, real things. Yeah. You know, start and talking about what Dak can do this year instead of, will he be there? No doubt. Well, Tom, I hate to break it to you, buddy, but we got a lot more of that to come. Uh, here on the Blog of the Boys podcast network here on Riled Up on the Boys because all we can do is speculate about what they might do, what they should do, what they won't do, and what they shouldn't. And until free agency comes around and they make their preparations for that and start dipping their toes in that water, we really don't have anything to go on other than past history. And actually, that is where I'd like to transition to our, our next topic because you took a look at past history with the help of uh, those boys over at Pro Football Focus. And you kind of examined an article that took a look at teams, you know, to see how well and how consistently they had drafted over the past several years. Now, this article that you found uh, looks like it goes back to 2017, so just mm -hmm. before when Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott were ultimately selected. But if you would please explain – why some Cowboys fans who may have doubts heading into the NFL draft here in 2021 actually should probably be feeling good about the front office's approach, despite the fact that they really haven't approached this signing of their long-term quarterback well at all. Yeah, um, and I understand there's some people that don't have much faith in pro football focus, but I've always respected that they're trying to come up with ways to compare apples to apples across the board. And the whole, the whole uh, rationale behind this thing was to look at how teams have drafted over the past four years. Uh, you know, he makes the argument for, for how, you know, the guys drafted in 2017, you've got a good read on. And he talks about how you can kind of use that to take the smaller sample sizes in each succeeding year and still kind of project that out. And he, he starts off talking about, uh, you know, uh, with the thing they have is called wins above replacement, which you know, you can go find it on PFF if you want an explanation. But basically, a baseball fan or regular sports fan will be kind of familiar with this because they they do it in the NBA, they do it in baseball. It is same terminology, wins above replacement, and essentially, by definition, right? It's the value of the yeah. number of wins a player might add versus a player of an average caliber at that same position. 
thank you because I just that's one of those things I kind of have a feel for what they're saying, but putting it into to words doesn't always work well for me. But they looked at that and just taking that as which is kind of his base to start building his argument on. The Cowboys were a top 10 drafting team over the four years. Uh, then he goes in a little bit more and he starts looking at the percentile of how they stack up against others at their same position. Um, the, uh, the, whole, the whole point there being that, uh, you know, a, a quarterback gets a lot of wins above replacement if he's good. And an offensive lineman has a much smaller number. So let's look at how the positions they drafted stacked up against all the other people of that position. Well, that bumped the Cowboys up from being the eighth best drafting team to being the third best drafting team. And just to let you know that when he started off, one of the first things that jumped out when I was looking at it was that the top two teams under his initial look at it under just war were the top two drafting teams were a couple guys named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, teams that may ring a bell because they wound up in the Super Bowl. Hmm. So they looked at this thing about the percentile where the, the players ranked, and that one got it in, got the Cowboys up to third overall. Next, he looked at, at draft consist, uh, and so that – Oh, that was the draft consistency. And that, then he looks and weights it by how they fall within the, uh, the round, you know, because a first rounder has more impact than a seventh rounder. And that one dropped Cowboys a little bit, but they were still in the top five. Now, real quickly and, on that, a first rounder should have more value than a seventh rounder. But mm -hmm. if you happen to hit, on a first rounder, that was something that was, a, a, I guess, a level of showing that you were being consistent, right? If you were hitting at those higher draft picks. Yeah, versus... it, it, yeah it, was, it basically was saying you were doing a better job of getting it right where you need to get it right. Yes. So it matched up with uh, what you'd expect because, let's face it, a sixth or seventh rounder is basically a roll of the dice. You don't really know what's going to have there. Mm -hmm. But when you go in and use a first-round pick or a second-round pick, you need to know what you're doing and get a good player. And, you know, the, he, he finally wraps it all up and looks at uh, uh, how they stack up with um, – with how the, uh, the, uh, the, the different positions are the positional value overall, as in, are you drafting better at the high value positions? You know, once again, you know, if you draft the best overall linebacker in the league, that doesn't give you as much, uh, uh, value in the, under his rating system as if you draft the best overall quarterback in the league mm -hmm. for that year because a quarterback's just a more valuable position. When he puts it all together, the Cowboys wound up as the third best drafting team over the, the four-year period he looked at. And once again, the number one best drafting team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, okay, yeah, there seems to be an indication that this should be an indicator of success which rolls around to the real disturbing part of all yeah, this. Yeah, why weren't we playing them in the NFC Championship game then, Tom? Yeah, because, well, 
what the hope is, and it's kind of odd to try to put it this way, but the hope is it really was the injuries. It was Dak Prescott going down. It was both your starting offensive tackles being out for the entire, almost the entire year. Cause Tyron Smith went out what the second game. Yep. Practically. Uh, you know, all the other problems you had with injuries, the Cowboys were just devastated. And, and, Prescott was just a huge one. That was all there was to it. And, you know, then you bang up the offensive line and are running a patchwork out there uh, week after week after week. Then, yeah, hopefully that's why things went bad. And if we get all these players healthy at just a normal rate, I'm not talking getting through the season with very few injuries. I'm just talking at regression to the mean. If we can do that and get back to where it's uh, it's something more like what you'd expect to see in a normal NFL season, then the Cowboys should have a much more successful year. I would still posit they're, they're going to be another year or so away from really being a legitimate Super Bowl contender, but they should easily be a playoff contender. And given the fact that they're in the NFC East, uh, which, by the way, I yeah, I don't want to mention it, but you know the Philadelphia Eagles were down at the bottom of the league. They just mm. wanted to throw that out. I just don't know why that keeps coming to mind. But uh, they should be able to get into the playoffs as the NFC East representative with something like an actual winning record. So uh, it should offer us some hope for this year. We just have to scratch our heads. Was that really it? Because if it wasn't really the injury, the injuries, then the only other thing you start thinking about is, well, what's wrong with the coaching? And, you know, of course, we did make some big changes that we, I keep doing that. I shouldn't do that. The Cowboys, I'm not ready to confront, I'm not that ready to confront that man in the mirror yet. Uh, If it, (laughs) if it is the coaching, right? I got a whole nother year till I'm going to turn to that specifically and say, you are the problem. Now, if it is the issue, I suppose that will bear itself out. But well, doggone if, it, if, I, cannot, I cannot in good faith put all of 2020 on this coaching staff entirely and say this is the reason yeah. it w- was bad and will be bad going forward. Well, I, I think the train of thought for me is that even with a banged-up offensive line, um, the Cowboys were able to do some good things. You know, they had that one three-game stretch late in the season where it looked like they were coming around and catching on and at least beating up on the bad teams. You know. The really bad teams. Yeah, the problems on defense, yeah, I think they had no choice. There was something just wildly dysfunctional going on there. And now we get to see if Dan Quinn has got the answers. Uh, and, you know, we'll find out. Um, I'm I'm still worried about, is Jalen Smith really the linebacker you want to have? Uh, no. You know, as, uh, some, yeah, some of the people – as some of the people have mentioned, you may be one of them, but I, I know for sure that Joey Ikes has said it. Um, the uh, Jalen Smith cannot change directions at all well. 
And if you can't change directions in the NFL nowadays, you're just shot. It just doesn't work as a linebacker because you can't read and react. You just have to hope that you got headed in the right direction at the beginning of the play. Mm -hmm. Which too often in 2020, he was not heading in the right direction at the start of the play. In fact, many, many times it felt like he was heading in the wrong direction. So, uh, We'll save the Jalen cutdowns for another day. I, you know, I guess I would end it on saying there, Tom, will Jalen Smith be a cowboy in the next two weeks? It, you know, emotionally, I guess I'd kind of like to see them move on from him because I think that would be the wisest move. Intellectually, all the indications are that they won't. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, that's one of the things is, is that we, we are making so many guesses about what's going on inside the star. Um, but you know, you know what the reality is probably nothing. Like no yeah. business is probably being done. Jerry might be sitting on his yacht for all we know. And if that's the case, well then it's vacation time for the Joneses. And we all know they don't do business while they're on vacation, right? Yeah, well, I know this much. Uh, if Jerry wants to go back to his yacht for the draft, I'm all for it. <laughs> I think I'll move the whole war room out to his yacht and just go <laughs> from there. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, although it's going to be a lot harder to find a place to dock that bitch in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> so with that, we'll end the podcast, uh, give you another taste of uh, the Thursday episode of Riled Up on Blogging the Boys. Of course, check out all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com. And, of course, make sure you check out all the podcasts that we do Monday through Saturday, a new fresh one daily for you here on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. So, Tom, I guess next week we can start taking a look at the free agency slate and maybe pick a couple of players that you and I might be interested in and that we also know that the Cowboys won't spend their money on. So something to look forward to and get excited about for next week. But with that, sir, uh, that's Tom Ryle. I'm Roy White, and we are riled up on the boys. And we out this piece. See you next Thursday.